Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. In every high school boy's story, there's always a drop-dead gorgeous girl who makes him do stupid things to try to win the girl over, right? Well, my story is pretty much along those lines, except I was competing with a dog. Yeah, you heard me. Here we go. So my name's Liam, and I'm 17. And Suzanne is the girl I was chasing. I remember the first time I laid eyes on her. It was during a football match at school, and she was one of the cheerleaders. Her bouncy blonde locks and her bright blue eyes drove me crazy. And I couldn't take my eyes off her. In other words, I was smitten. So that's when I started my pickup plan. I paid my friend $10 to find out her address and her favorite food. Stalker much? <laughs> well, this was only the beginning. Once I had her address, I walked up to her house holding a strawberry cheesecake with a love letter attached to it. I peeked over the fence and was about to put the cake on the doorstep, ring the doorbell, and run away. But as I was walking towards the door, a dog appeared and jumped towards me. I freaked out and tried to run away, but instead I face-planted in the ground and, of course, the cake landed right next to me and the letter flew away. What a disaster. Plus, the damn dog kept biting at my pants. Meanwhile, I was screaming like a little kid. And guess who appeared at that moment? None other than Suzanne. Noticing the cake and the letter with her name on it, she smiled down at me, helped me up, and said she had a first aid kit inside. She said her dog, Loki, just got excited when he saw new people. And then she kept apologizing, but I told her it was okay. And to be honest, I'd fall down like that every day if it meant I got to be helped up by Suzanne. After that, we started texting, although most of the time she was sending me photos of Loki. Finally, after a few months of texts, I plucked up the courage to ask her out on a proper date, and it was amazing. After dropping her off at her front door, I decided that that was the moment to confess my feelings and ask her to be my girlfriend. I was shaking so much that I almost forgot to breathe, but luckily she told me she liked me too. Then suddenly she grabbed me and planted a big kiss on my cheek, and so I held her and decided to go in for a proper kiss on the lips. But out of nowhere, Loki appeared and leapt on me and I fell flat on my face. Not again! And this time I was furious. I sat up and I was about to go crazy. But then I noticed Suzanne was laughing. Loki seems to like you, she joked. He's driving me insane. But seeing how happy she was made my anger all gone. I was about to stand up and go in for a kiss again, but Loki kept pulling Suzanne inside. She had no choice but to follow him. So I was left there all alone. Man... What was that dog's problem? After that night, I refused to go to Suzanne's house when we met up. I even told her I thought her dog hated me, and she thought that that was hilarious. She then said he was just protective, and then she shared the story of why they adopted him. So when I was eight, my best friend lived next door. His name was Andrew, and Loki was his pet. The three of us were so close, but one day Andrew's parents got divorced, and Andrew moved to Canada with his dad. So he left Loki with me. It's been nine years since we saw each other. A thought crossed my mind. Maybe Loki hated me because he thought Suzanne was Andrew's girlfriend. No way. He was just a dog, right? And the trouble was never ending. Prom night arrived, and Suzanne was so excited. I made sure I got to her house early and waited her for a while while she did her hair and stuff. I told her I'd wait outside, but she insisted I come in. I was dreading seeing Loki, but of course there he was, waiting for me by the couch with a smirk on his face. I mean, come on, since when did dogs smirk? I sat there nervously watching him, but after Suzanne had gone back upstairs, he came over to me with a photo in his mouth. 
It was Suzanne sitting next to a boy, and Loki was there too. Obviously, it was Andrew in the photo, and they looked so happy together. Why was Loki showing me this? I looked Loki straight in the eyes and said, Listen up, Loki. Andrew and Suzanne aren't together. Suzanne is my girlfriend, so just leave us alone, okay? Loki just kept staring at me, then he left. It was clear I'd lost the plot. There I was, threatening a dog. <laughs> After a while, Suzanne came downstairs, and we were about to leave. But I couldn't find my shoes anywhere. After 30 minutes of looking, we still couldn't find them. And by then, Suzanne was pretty upset with me. She ran upstairs and locked herself in her room. I didn't know what to do, so I got up to leave barefoot. When I got outside, I noticed Loki smirking again. But I wasn't in the mood to care about him now. Suddenly, I heard footsteps behind me. I turned around, and it was Loki with my shoes in his mouth. He dropped them at my feet and then ran off. I couldn't believe it. That stupid dog stole my shoes and ruined our night. I spent the next week texting Suzanne trying to apologize, and eventually she forgave me. But I still hate Loki so much. He was seriously making my life a living nightmare. During the summer, Suzanne was going to Chicago with her parents to visit her aunt. So she asked me to look after Loki for two weeks. What? You've got to be kidding me. I had no choice but to agree. If I said no, I'd risk losing Suzanne. So when I went to pick him up, I saw him standing there smirking at me again. It looked like he was saying, Oh, hey, Liam, are you ready for two weeks of hell with me? The worst part was all the instructions Suzanne had for me about how to take care of her precious Loki. Feed him with organic dog food three times a day in his special bowl. Then make sure he gets two walks a day, no less than five miles each time. And every night at 6 p.m. he needs his bath with his doggy bubble bath. He likes to be massaged behind the ears. And please read him a bedtime story to ensure he has sweet dreams. Uh, this had to be some kind of joke. How would I remember all of that? And as expected from day one, it was a total disaster. It was summer vacation. So I wasn't going to bed early. In fact, I was playing video games with my friends all night. So I never managed to wake up at 6 a.m. to feed him. And surely he wouldn't die if he skipped a meal, right? But well, he didn't give me much choice. He left onto my bed at 6.30 a.m., licking my face and demanding food. Another time, I was going to my friend's house, so obviously I couldn't take him with me. So before leaving, I said, Hey, Loki, be a good boy. I'll be back soon. Then I smirked and locked the door. Loki started barking, so I knew he was angry. Well, it served him right. However, when I got home that night, I discovered he'd peed all over my clothes and messed up my entire room. He'd clearly done this to get revenge, and I was fuming started yelling at him as I was cleaning up the mess. And that's when I realized that I'd have to take him everywhere with me. Even though he was super annoying, I started to understand why Suzanne loved him. He was smart, affectionate, and I guess it's kind of nice to have company. When I was watching movies alone, he would come over and lay in my lap. When I played video games, I could ask him to bring me snacks. And once I went to the toilet and realized the loo roll was finished, and I shouted, Loki, can you please get me some loo roll? And he actually brought me one. A few days later, we were out walking in the park, and I saw some boys playing basketball. I was desperate to join them, so I told Loki to wait for me. But after the match, he was nowhere to be seen. I freaked out and frantically searched the whole park, but it was hopeless. Suzanne would never forgive me if I lost her precious Loki. So the next day, I put up some flyers, hoping someone had found him. Well, luckily for me, someone called me and said they had found him. I immediately went to get him and waited outside the address they'd given me, which was in a kind of dodgy part of town. While I was waiting, two men dressed in black clothes approached me. They looked suspicious, so I tried to step out of the way, but one of them grabbed my arm and said, Give us your money, otherwise you might get hurt. I started struggling and trying to get away. 
but this made them even angrier. I freaked out when suddenly I heard a familiar barking. Loki! He was rushing towards us and started biting at the robber's clothes, pulling them away from me. I was so relieved, and after a while, the robbers ran off, scared half to death. I gave Loki the biggest hug, and he was wagging his tail in delight. Then a woman with a dog came towards us. Turns out she was the person who had called me. She'd been walking her dog Penny in the park when Loki had started following them and wouldn't leave Penny alone. He'd been smitten with her, so Penny's owner didn't know what to do and took Loki home. Eventually, she saw the posters, and that's when she'd contacted me. Ha! Huh, so Loki was as bad as me, chasing a pretty girl. How funny. When we got home, I thanked Loki again for saving me. Then I said, You know Andrew doesn't live here anymore, right? He's in Canada, which is far away. But listen, I love Suzanne so much, and I know you do too. So we'll take care of her together, okay? He kept staring at me like he was waiting for something more. So then I said, Oh, right. Yeah. If you agree... I promise I'll take you to Penny's house to visit her. Deal? I reached out my hand to shake his, and he legit put his paw in my hand. Okay, done deal. A few days later, Suzanne got back and picked up Loki. And when I told Suzanne everything that had happened, she burst out laughing. After that, our relationship got even better, and we started hanging out with Loki more. Although whenever I wanted to kiss her, I always said to Loki, Hey bro, look away. And he never once tried to interfere again. Loki and I are on good terms now as he's in love with Penny, as I am with Suzanne. It's true what they say, boys go wild for pretty girls. So, there I was, minding my own business, cleaning the floors when Mr. Fancy Suit walked by and sneered at me. A janitor, huh? Is that the best you could do with your life? I smirked and replied, Well, at least I'm not leaving messes for others to clean up. His words would fuel my journey to show them all just how wrong they were about me. Get ready, because this janitor is about to clean up. And I don't just mean the floors. It all started when I was working at this fancy bank, mopping the floors like it was nobody's business. The bank owner, Mr. Arrogant, approached me with a snobbish grin and said, It must be so sad being uneducated and having to settle for a job like this. I clenched my teeth and replied, well, at least I'm not a pompous jerk. But inside, I was fuming. You see, what Mr. Arrogant didn't know was that I had a brilliant mind, and I wasn't gonna let his snide comments go unanswered. So, I did what any self-respecting janitor with a vendetta would do. I planned a heist. And boy, was it a good one. With a little bit of research and a lot of hard work, I managed to break into the bank owner's vault, emptying it of its riches without leaving a single trace. And just like that, the smug bank owner got a taste of his own medicine. Who's uneducated now, huh? After successfully robbing the bank, I was enjoying my new wealth when Miss Fake It Till You Make It, a beauty influencer, decided to ridicule me for being a janitor. Her words stung, but it only fueled my desire to prove her wrong. So. I used some of my newfound fortune to create an eco-friendly, honest brand. And guess what? It exploded in popularity, making me even more famous than her. When she tried to score a sponsorship deal with my company, I just smirked. Sorry, we only work with genuine people. The satisfaction was indescribable. Life took a wild turn after that. Suddenly, I was living the high life, surrounded by gorgeous supermodels, attending VIP events, and spending a hundred thousand in a single night without even breaking a sweat. It was a far cry from my janitor days, and I couldn't help but enjoy the sweet taste of success. 
It's amazing how quickly things can change when you show those snobs who's boss. So this rich dude comes up to me, not realizing I was just dressed as a janitor for fun, missing my old simple lifestyle. He says, Hey, janitor boy, I bet you don't even know how to play poker. Tell you what, you can keep my house and my girlfriend, but if you lose, they're mine. I couldn't help but smirk at his arrogance. As we sat down to play, he kept trash talking me, saying things like, You really think you stand a chance against me? I played poker with celebrities, and you're just a janitor. I just smiled and replied, Well, you know what they say, cleanliness is next to godliness. We played through the night, and just when he thought he had me cornered, I revealed my winning hand. His jaw dropped, and I couldn't help but chuckle. Looks like I just cleaned up, I said with a grin. Instead of taking his money, I decided to take his girlfriend. She rolled her eyes at him and said, I always knew you were a lousy poker player. I'm happy to leave you for someone who knows how to play the game and how to treat people right. As we walked away, I revealed my true identity, leaving the rich guy stunned and humiliated. There I was, wearing my janitor outfit for a charity event I organized, when I found a rich developer who planned to demolish my parents' house to build luxury homes. No way was I letting that happen. I pulled some strings, got involved with the decision-making process, and confronted the developer at a packed city council meeting. My parents' house is more than just a building. It's a home filled with memories and love. I told him, my voice loud and clear. The room went silent, and the developer stared at me, baffled. Who are you? He asked. Grinning, I replied, just a janitor with a heart of gold. I turned to the crowd, my voice full of passion. Who here has a home they love? Who here has memories they cherish? Hands shot up all over the room. We can't let this developer take away what makes our city special. Our homes, our community, our memories. The crowd erupted in applause, and people began sharing their stories of love, family, and the homes they held dear. The developer, realizing he was losing the battle, tried to argue his case. Think of the jobs, the economic boost, he shouted. I raised my hand to silence him. We can create jobs without sacrificing our homes and our past. We can build a better future together without forgetting where we come from. The entire city stood behind me, and the developer had no choice but to back down. Money isn't everything. Sometimes, even a janitor can save the day. One day, I was dining at a fancy restaurant with my gold digger crush, who didn't know about my newfound wealth. I decided to wear my old janitor uniform to see her reaction. As expected, she was all about the glamour, loudly shaming me for not affording the most expensive items on the menu. I played along, pretending to be hurt by her words. But the next day, I pulled up to her place in a brand new luxury car, dressed to the nines. She couldn't believe her eyes. Hey, remember when you shamed me for not affording the most expensive stuff at the restaurant? I asked, smirking. Well, guess who just made a fortune? Her jaw dropped, and she stammered. You? But, but how? I laughed. <laughs> Turns out even a janitor can strike it rich. As I drove away, I could see the regret in her eyes. Little did she know she'd missed out on a fantastic life with a guy who knew the true value of hard work and love. Karma had spoken, and I was loving every minute of it. One day, I was invited to a costume party at my friend's luxurious mansion. The theme was Humble Beginnings, where the attendees were supposed to dress up as someone from their past or a profession they'd done before. I thought it'd be a great opportunity to remind myself of where I came from. So I decided to dress up as a janitor, my old job. As I was helping clean up a spilled drink at the party, a group of spoiled party girls walked by, laughing and pointing at me. Look at this loser, 
pretending to be a janitor, one of them taunted. Ew, and what's with that cheap outfit, another added. I rolled my eyes and decided to have some fun with them. This cheap outfit you're making fun of is actually a limited edition designer shirt, I said smirking. They didn't believe me, so I challenged them to tear it off and see for themselves. As they reluctantly tugged at my shirt, they couldn't help but gasp at my toned abs. Wow, he's hot, one of them whispered to her friend, and when they saw the designer label, their faces turned red with embarrassment. This is worth thousands of dollars, one of them exclaimed. With a sly grin, I put my shirt back on and continued enjoying the party, leaving the girls in awe, their shallow judgments backfiring on them. They'd just learned a valuable lesson. Never judge a book by its cover, and always be aware of the context behind people's actions. You won't believe this other crazy thing that happened to me. So, I was at this wild party, and the host suddenly announces a bizarre challenge, sharing an enormous t-shirt with someone for 24 hours. And who do I get paired with? My crush! We wriggled into the t-shirt, feeling all kinds of awkward. Well, this is one way to break the ice, I joked. She giggled, and our initial awkwardness started to fade. We had some of the funniest moments of our lives that day. Picture this. We were trying to squeeze through a doorway and got stuck right in the middle. Maybe if we twist like pretzels, we'll make it, she suggested, as we began wiggling through the tight space. Or we could just moonwalk our way out, I quipped, and we both burst into laughter. Despite the sticky situations, the 24-hour t-shirt challenge turned out to be a blast. It actually brought us closer than ever, transforming a potentially cringeworthy experience into a hilarious, unforgettable memory. One day, I was walking around in my favorite vintage jacket when a group of girls started to make fun of it. Hey, nice jacket! Did you find it in the trash? They sneered. I shrugged off their comments, but before I could walk away, a stylish woman approached me. Oh my god! That jacket is to die for! I've been looking for one like this forever! She gushed. I'll give you $2,500 for it right now! The girls' jaws dropped, and they couldn't believe what they were hearing. I smirked, handing over the jacket, and walked away with a fat stack of cash. Another time, this gold digger on you turned me down for a date just because my t-shirt had a tiny hole in it. Little did she know, it was a limited edition designer t-shirt worth $10,000. After I'd made the fortune and started living the high life, she came crawling back, full of regret. Oh, I didn't know you were so successful now. Maybe we could give it another shot? She suggested, but I just shook my head and smiled. Sorry, I only date people who appreciate me for who I am, not just my bank account. So, thanks, but no thanks. I walked away, leaving her to wallow in her shallow choices. Sweet, sweet karma. As the years went by, I continued to embrace my newfound success while staying true to my roots. I never forgot the lessons I learned from my humble beginnings as a janitor, and I always made sure to treat others with kindness and respect, regardless of their social status. One day, I decided to host a grand charity event, inviting all the people I had encountered on my journey, the rich and the poor, the influential and the humble, and even those who had once mocked or underestimated me. As the event unfolded, I took the stage and addressed the crowd. Tonight, we celebrate not just my personal success, but the power of resilience and the human spirit. It's not about how much money you have or the designer clothes you wear. It's about the person you choose to be and the impact you have on others. The applause was deafening, and I could see the faces of those who had once belittled me, now filled with respect and admiration. That night, we raised a significant amount of money for charity, giving back to the community and helping those in need. As I looked around the room, 
I realized that I had achieved the most satisfying ending to my journey. I had not only overcome my own obstacles and found success, but I had also used my influence to make a real difference in the world. And that, my friends, is, is what true success and happiness are all about. Hey, my name is Tom, and I've always struggled with my weight. I've been overweight for as long as I can remember. Tired of feeling down about myself, I decided to join a gym to improve my health and fitness. As I walked in, I was immediately intimidated by all the fit and muscular people working out around me. But I was determined to make a change. The gym coach, Jake, was the epitome of the popular guy. Athletic, cocky, and always surrounded by his equally fit friends. To make matters worse, he had a stunning athletic girlfriend named Amy. I couldn't help but feel embarrassed by my body and lack of fitness compared to everyone else, especially Amy. As I started working out, I found it really difficult to keep up with the routines, and Jake's continuous mockery only made me feel worse. One day, as I struggled to finish a set of push-ups, Jake sauntered over with a smirk on his face. Hey, Tom, you know it's uh, not a competition to see who can do the fewest push-ups in a minute, he sneered, clearly enjoying my discomfort. Trying to brush off his comments, I replied, Well, at least I'm trying, Jake. Rome wasn't built in a day, you know? Jake laughed, unimpressed by my comeback. True, but at this rate, you'll be ripped and ready for the cover of Nerdy Fitness Weekly in a lifetime. During a group workout session, Jake decided to pair people up for partner exercises. To my dismay, he paired me with his girlfriend, Amy. As we started the routine, I could feel Jake's eyes on us ready to pounce on any opportunity to humiliate me. When we moved on to partner squats, Jake couldn't resist by making another dig. Wow, Tom, you're really struggling there. Maybe you should just try squatting with a book instead of Amy. You know, something more your speed. Despite the embarrassment, I refused to let Jake's taunts get the better of me. Very funny, Jake. I'm just getting warmed up. As the days went by, the humiliation only intensified. During a cardio session, Jake sneered. Maybe you should lose some weight first before attempting this, Tom. Don't pass out this time like you did last week. I gritted my teeth and responded. Thanks for the concern, but I've got this, Jake. In another instance, while I was struggling to use the weight machines, Jake mockingly suggested. Hey, Tom, don't break the equipment with all that weight you're carrying. We wouldn't want to have to replace it. I rolled my eyes and retorted. Don't worry, Jake. I think your ego is a greater threat to this place than I am. One day, as I stumbled during a workout, Jake jeered. Did you just roll off the couch, Tom? You really shouldn't be here among us athletes. This gym is no place for druggies and dropouts. Frustrated by his relentless bullying, I snapped back. You know what, Jake? I may not be as fit as you, but at least I'm working on it. Could you say the same about your personality? Little did I know that my life was about to take a surprising turn and Jake's attempt to mock me would backfire in a way he never expected. Despite Jake's continuous mockery, I started noticing that Amy didn't share her boyfriend's mean-spirited attitude. In fact, she was nothing like the popular stereotype I had expected her to be. She was kind, supportive, and even encouraging as we worked out together. Come on, Tom! You can do it! Just a few more reps! She'd say during our training sessions, her voice full of genuine encouragement. Under Amy's guidance and support, I began to make significant progress at the gym. My strength and endurance improved, and I started to excel in the exercises. Jake, however, only seemed to intensify his humiliating tactics. One day, as I struggled to lift a particularly heavy weight, Jake called out, 
Careful, Tom. Don't want you to get a hernia or something. The whole gym laughed as my face turned red with embarrassment. As Amy and I grew closer, Jake's jealousy and possessiveness started to show. He would hover around us during workouts, making snide remarks and trying to belittle me at every opportunity. He even went as far as accusing me of trying to steal his girlfriend. Things came to a head when Jake claimed to have caught Amy and me kissing on his 4K camera. He stormed into the gym one day, waving his phone around like a trophy, and confronted us in front of everybody. You two have been sneaking around behind my back, huh? Well, guess what? I've got proof. Amy, clearly fed up with Jake's behavior, took a deep breath and looked him in the eye. Jake, it's over between us. I can't be with someone who treats people the way you do. You're constantly putting Tom down. But he's shown me that there's more to life than just being fit and popular. The gym fell silent, everyone staring at the unfolding drama. I stepped forward, taking Amy's hand in mine. Jake, you've got to learn that it's not about how you look or what you can do physically. It's about how you treat people and what kind of person you are inside. Jake stood there, stunned, as Amy and I walked out of the gym together, hand in hand. In the days that followed, word spread about what had happened. People started to look up to me not only because of my newfound confidence and gym prowess, but also because I had shown them that being a good person matters more than popularity. In the following weeks, Amy and I continued to grow closer, our bonds stronger than ever, but Jake couldn't accept that things were over between him and Amy. He resorted to stalking us, making our lives miserable with his unwelcome presence. One evening, as Amy and I sat down for a romantic dinner at a local restaurant, Jake sauntered in uninvited. He pointed at me, sneering, Hey, Tom, couldn't you at least put on a decent shirt? You look like a homeless guy. Are you sure you can afford this place? During one of our weekend outings to the park, Jake appeared out of nowhere. A smug grin plastered on his face. He looked at my worn-out sneakers and said loudly, What's the matter, Tom? Did you have to fish those out of a dumpster? How pathetic! As Amy and I walked through the mall, Jake followed us from store to store, making snide remarks about my inability to afford the latest trends. Oh, look at Tom, browsing the sales rack like he's hunting for treasure. Gotta pinch those pennies, huh? At a local coffee shop where Amy and I were enjoying a quiet afternoon, Jake burst in and started ridiculing me in front of everyone. Hey, Tom, I bet you're only here because they have free Wi-Fi. Can't afford internet at home, can you? That's just sad. One day, as Amy and I were headed to the movies, Jake intercepted us, feigning concern. Are you sure you want to go in there, Tom? Last I heard, they don't accept food stamps for movie tickets. Despite Jake's constant harassment, I remained patient, determined not to let him ruin my newfound happiness. One day, I decided it was time to reveal a secret I had kept hidden. I was actually a millionaire. My wealth had accumulated through smart investments and a successful business, but the stress of all of it led me to gain weight. Now, this should be interesting, I mused as I shared the news with Amy, who was ecstatic. Together, we decided it was time to use my wealth for a greater purpose and see how Jake would react. When Jake caught wind of the news, he was stunned. He approached me hesitantly, his voice dripping with disbelief. Is it true, Tom? Are you really rich? I grinned, my eyes twinkling with amusement. Yes, Jake, it's true. But my wealth doesn't define who I am. I've learned that true happiness comes from the relationships we build and the person we become. I announced that I would be starting a charity to combat bullying and create a safe space for those affected by it. As part of the initiative, I would be purchasing the gym where we all worked out and appointing Amy as the top trainer. Surprise, Jake! You never really know who you're mocking, do you? 
I teased, reveling in his shock. But don't worry, I have a proposition for you too. I extended an invitation to Jake, offering him a chance to participate in the charity and help out at the gym. But there was a catch. His role at the gym would be that of a janitor. It was an opportunity for him to learn humility and the value of hard work. As I reveled in the idea of Jake's newfound humility, another unexpected revelation came to light. It turned out that Jake had been hiding a secret of his own. He was the heir to a massive fortune, but he had been concealing it in order to live a normal life, away from the pressures of wealth and expectation. When his secret was revealed, the dynamic between Jake, Amy, and me shifted dramatically. No longer driven by jealousy and insecurity, Jake embraced his role as a janitor at the gym and became an active participant in the charity. It seemed that by revealing my own wealth, I had inadvertently allowed Jake to come to terms with his. We confronted Jake about his hidden fortune, and he was surprisingly candid about it. Yeah, it's true. I've been hiding my wealth to live a life where I'm not constantly judged by my bank account. But seeing you, Tom, being open about your riches and using them for good, it's made me realize that I can do the same. The gym community, witnessing our transformations, rallied around us. We all worked together to create a better, more inclusive environment, with Amy leading the way as head trainer. As we focused on combating bullying and promoting kindness and respect, we discovered that true success and happiness don't come from wealth or popularity, but again, from the relationships we build and the people we become. In the weeks that followed, the bonds between us all grew stronger. Jake, now humbled and dedicated to making a difference, became an essential part of our charitable endeavors, and I continued to use my resources for the greater good. It was a testament to the power of redemption and the importance of the relationships we form in our lives. Just when it seemed like everything was finally falling into place, another twist emerged. A mysterious benefactor had been supporting the gym all along. This anonymous individual had been responsible for keeping the gym afloat during tough times and was now ready to reveal their identity. To our astonishment, the mysterious benefactor was none other than Jake's long-lost father, who had been monitoring his son's actions from afar. I wanted to see if you could change, Jake, his father explained. I'm proud to see that you have. As Jake stood in belief, Amy chimed in. Looks like life has a way of teaching us all a lesson or two. Huh, Jake. With newfound humility and a chance at redemption, Jake embraced his role at the gym and in the charity, proving that we all have the power to change for the better. I've been hit with paint, doused in spoiled milk, left speechless by blaring air horns, and so much more every single day. The world thinks it's funny, and maybe it is, from the outside looking in. But from my perspective, it's a never-ending nightmare. A nightmare that I was born into. And before you start with the they're just pranks, bro argument, let me tell you that when you're the victim of just a prank every day of your life, it stops being just a prank. It's psychological torture. Hey, yeah, that's me. Just to get you caught up on my story, my name is Jake, and my life has always been a bit, uh, over the top, as you can see. You see, my parents are professional pranksters. Yes, you heard right, professional pranksters. Most kids get grounded or sent to their room when they misbehave. Me? I get an air horn blast at 3 a.m. or a surprise tarantula in my cereal. Ever heard of Smith's Prank Palace on YouTube? Of course you have. A couple in their 40s acting like a pair of teenagers on spring break. And their punching bag? Yours truly. Dad always said, Humor keeps you young. 
but at the expense of my dignity, it didn't seem all that funny. To paint you a full picture, this is how my conversations with my parents usually go. Getting ready for our next big prank? You better sleep with one eye open tonight, winky face. Did I mention they have a strange obsession with emoji text? I tell you, my life's one big joke, literally. Oh, this is gonna be great. Our subscribers are gonna love this one. I just hope Jake remembers we do this out of love. And for views, of course. Yeah, love. That's what they call it. One day in middle school, I had my crush Lily coming over to work on a science project. I specifically remember pleading with my parents, no pranks today, okay? It's important. They'd given me their word. I should have known better. The doorbell rang. My heart pounded in my chest as I opened the door to Lily. A nervous smile on my face. Suddenly, there was a shower of sour milk from above, soaking us both. Lily, I... I stammered, horrified as she wiped milk off of her glasses. My parents popped out, cameras rolling, laughter echoing. Their apology video later that night garnered more views than the prank itself. This was it. I had it. The sour milk was my tipping point. Is YouTube more important to you than your son's dignity? I screamed at them, my face still stinging from the milk. We, we didn't realize it was that bad for you, John. Mom had stuttered. The camera's finally off, her face a mixture of surprise and concern. Now, I wish I could tell you that my life had gotten better after the sour milk incident, that my parents backed off with the pranks, or that I somehow turned into the most popular kid in high school. But nope. Instead, my life had turned into a living hell of never-ending embarrassment, courtesy of Smith's Pranks Palace. From dad pretending to faint in the middle of my freshman orientation, their video titled, Hilarious Prank at High School Orientation, Must Watch, 5 Million Views, to mom barging into my chemistry class dressed as an alien, the video titled, Crashing High School Class in Alien Suit, Epic Reaction, earned a trending spot. My high school years were a montage of mortification, but the worst part wasn't the embarrassment or the name calling. It was the pity, the sympathetic glances from teachers, the awkward conversations with the school counselor. How are you handling your home situation, John? They'd ask. And so I became a bit of a loner, the prank palace boy who ate lunch in the library and avoided eye contact. And then there were the comments on YouTube, poor kid, they'd say, or how does he put up with them? And my personal favorite, I'd die if I were him. Every ding of a new comment, every laughter-filled reaction video felt like a punch in the gut. But what could I do? They were my parents. They fed me, clothed me, loved me in their own twisted way. Now you're probably wondering, how did I escape the constant eyes of the world? The answer is, I didn't. But I did get a change of scenery. In my yearbook, a sentence that still makes me laugh. Most likely to become a viral meme, written beneath my photo. The doors to college life swung open and I stepped through them, hoping to find an escape from my prank-infested past. I met Clara on the first day, an intro to psych. She was the most beautiful girl I'd ever seen, with long blonde hair and a laugh that could light up a room. Oh, you're the prank palace guy, she'd exclaim when we first met. Your parents are hilarious. It was my past, not me, that drew her in, but I was too smitten to care. I mean, look at that smile. As we started dating, there were red flags, like when she insisted on video calling my parents, or when she constantly brought up their YouTube earnings. But love, as you see, makes you see things through rose-colored glasses, doesn't it? It was one of those nights. Clara and I were in bed, the moonlight streaming through the window. She was mumbling in her sleep, something she did occasionally. Must get the money, she mumbled. It was followed by a soft snore. It sent a chill down my spine, but I brushed it off as just sleep talk. Over time, Clara started hanging out with Brad, the buff dude from our psychology class. 
She'd laugh at his jokes a little too hard, touch his arm a little too often, but every time I brought it up, she'd brush it off. You're just being insecure, she'd say, her eyes not meeting mine. One night she came home late, reeking of Brad's cologne. That night, her sleep talk was a lot more telling. Brad, no, John can't know. The money, we'll take the money, she muttered in her sleep. Suddenly, everything fell into place. The late nights with Brad, her interest in my parents' earnings, it was all a part of her plan. She wasn't with me because she loved me. She was with me for the YouTube money, the fame, the lifestyle. And now she was planning on ditching me for Brad once they got what they wanted. But they'd messed with the wrong guy. I was a smith after all. The son of the world's greatest pranksters. If Clara wanted a prank, she'd get one. The prank of the century. The sweet nothing she murmured in her sleep now had a sinister edge to them. After another night of her rambling about easy cash and dumb pranksters, I finally decided to confront her. Clara, we need to talk. My voice sounded hollow in the silent room. She looked up from her phone, a perfect eyebrow raised in question. Is this about my sleep talking? <laughs> she laughed, a hollow, lifeless sound. John, I can't control what I say in my sleep. It's not just that, Clara. It's about you, Brad, and this plan of yours. Her face drained of color. You're absolutely delusional, Jake, she yells at me. I pulled out a series of printed emails that I'd found on her laptop, my heart pounding as I slapped them down on the table. The subject lines read, future plans, revenue split, and leaked prank videos. These are your email exchanges with Brad, I stated, trying to keep the tremor out of my voice. You two have been planning to hack into my parents' account to take their unreleased prank videos, start a rival channel, using my parents' content and popularity to draw in viewers, and then you want to divert the ad revenue into accounts you two have set up. She sputtered, shocked into silence. I felt a grim satisfaction at catching her off guard. Did you really think you could pull this off? I asked, my voice hardening. You're crazy, John. You can't prove anything. Those emails could be faked, you know? She protested, but I didn't want to hear any of it. I spent the next few days assembling my evidence, the emails and screenshots of their secret bank accounts, and compiled them into a video. Yo, Mike. I dialed my hacker friend, my voice trembling with a mix of rage and determination. I need a favor. Funny how Clara inspired my hacking idea. Mike, a guy who could hack into any network while munching on his cheeseburgers, was my only hope. I need you to hack into my parents' YouTube channel. Mike nearly choked on his burger. Are you nuts? Dude, that's illegal. I don't care. This is important. Can you do it or not? There was a big silence on the other end before he finally sighed. All right, man. I'm in. But remember, you owe me big time. With Mike's help, I uploaded the video to my parents' YouTube channel. It blew up. Gold Digger Exposed went viral. Millions of views until it got taken down by my parents. I took a deep breath, bracing myself as I hit the record button for the second time. This time, it wasn't to expose Clara or her nasty plans, but to expose my parents in the lifetime of humiliation they had subjected me to. Hello, Internet, I began, forcing a smile. John here. You might know me as the butt of the joke in many of my parents' prank videos. I paused, swallowing hard as I prepared to delve deeper. What you don't know is the toll those harmless pranks have taken on me. My entire life, I've been subjected to a constant stream of humiliation and embarrassment. I've been laughed at, bullied, and mocked for my parents' content. I've been hit with paint, doused in spoiled milk, left speechless by blaring air horns, and so much more. Every. Single. Day. The world thinks it's funny. And maybe it is. 
from the outside looking in. But from my perspective, it's a never-ending nightmare. A nightmare that I was born into. And before you start with the they're just pranks bro argument, let me tell you that when you're the victim of just a prank every day of your life, it stops being just a prank. It's psychological torture. I uploaded the video with a lump in my throat. It didn't take long before the internet exploded. My confession resonated with a lot of people. They saw the emotion, the trauma that I had gone through, and the support messages started pouring in. As for my parents, their response was less supportive. They were livid. They uploaded a response video on their secondary channel, claiming that I was blowing things out of proportion, that they were just having fun, and that I was trying to smear their reputation for sympathy. What they didn't expect was Clara suing me for invasion of privacy. Order! Order in the court! Judge's gavel boomed through the packed room as Clara's lawyer pointed at me, his voice ringing out with accusations. John intentionally sought to tarnish my client's reputation with false claims. I'd been prepping for this. My lawyer had drilled it into me. Stay calm, present your truth, and don't let them rattle you. But nothing could have prepared me for the way my heart pounded against my chest as I stood to defend myself. Your Honor, if I may. I locked eyes with Clara, her smug smirk a sharp reminder of why I was here. I simply made public the truth. The truth of Clara's intentions and the truth of my life as my parents' unwilling clown. Laughter rippled through the courtroom at my quip, but was quickly hushed. Clara's lawyer jumped to his feet, but the judge waved him down. The evidence is clear, Your Honor, I continued, scanning the faces in the room. I turned to look at my parents, sitting stifly, their faces pale. I'm not a gold mine for you to exploit, nor a plaything for your amusement. I addressed them, ignoring the collective gasp that echoed in the room. And Clara, your plans to profit from my life at my expense are over, I announced, meeting her eyes. She shifted uncomfortably, and for the first time, I saw a crack in her confident facade. But even with the truth out, the court ruled in Clara's favor, because in the eyes of the law, she did not take her plan to the end. I exposed her before it got too far. As I pushed open the courthouse doors, I was bombarded with camera flashes and a crescendo of voices. Microphones were shoved towards me, each reporter wanting their exclusive bit. Any comments about the verdict? A reporter hollered, elbowing his way to the front. I chuckled, running a hand through my hair. You know what? I'm good. Justice may be blind, but the parents aren't. So yeah, I lost in court, but look around. I gestured to the crowd, their eyes fixated on me with a mix of awe and respect. I won in the eyes of the people. Applause rang through the crowd, whistles punctuating the air. John! 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 They chanted, my name rising and falling like a wave. The next question cut through. How do you feel about your parents' reaction? Ah, the counter video. That was something. Honestly, I think it just proves my point. They're so wrapped up in their fame. They don't see the harm they've done. John, what will you do now? Another question rang out. What will I do now? A slow grin spreading on my face. I'll live. Without pranks, without humiliation, and certainly without gold diggers. I'll live for myself. As I stepped into the waiting car, the chants of my name followed me, a triumphant anthem that filled the air. For the first time, I felt heard, seen, validated. I may have lost in the courtroom, but in the court of public opinion, I was a hero. I was finally free, and damn, did it feel good.
I've been hit with paint, doused in spoiled milk, left speechless by blaring air horns, and so much more every single day. The world thinks it's funny, and maybe it is, from the outside looking in. But from my perspective, it's a never-ending nightmare. A nightmare that I was born into. And before you start with the they're just pranks bro argument, let me tell you that when you're the victim of just a prank every day of your life, it stops being just a prank. It's psychological torture. Hey, yeah, that's me. Just to get you caught up on my story, my name is Jake, and my life has always been a bit, uh, over the top, as you can see. You see, my parents are professional pranksters. Yes, you heard right, professional pranksters. Most kids get grounded or sent to their room when they misbehave. Me? I get an air horn blast at 3 a.m. or a surprise tarantula in my cereal. Ever heard of Smith's Prank Palace on YouTube? Of course you have. A couple in their 40s acting like a pair of teenagers on spring break. And their punching bag? Yours truly. Dad always said, humor keeps you young. But at the expense of my dignity, it didn't seem all that funny. To paint you a full picture, this is how my conversations with my parents usually go. Getting ready for our next big prank? You better sleep with one eye open tonight, winky face. Did I mention they have a strange obsession with emoji text? I tell you, my life's one big joke. Literally. Oh, this is gonna be great. Our subscribers are gonna love this one. I just hope Jake remembers we do this out of love. And for views, of course. Yeah, love. That's what they call it. One day in middle school, I had my crush, Lily, coming over to work on a science project. I specifically remember pleading with my parents, no pranks today, okay? It's important. They'd given me their word. I should have known better. The doorbell rang. My heart pounded in my chest as I opened the door to Lily. A nervous smile on my face. Suddenly, there was a shower of sour milk from above, soaking us both. Lily, I... I stammered, horrified as she wiped milk off of her glasses. My parents popped out, cameras rolling, laughter echoing. Their apology video later that night garnered more views than the prank itself. This was it. I had it. The sour milk was my tipping point. Is YouTube more important to you than your son's dignity? I screamed at them, my face still stinging from the milk. We, we didn't realize it was that bad for you, John. Mom had stuttered. The camera's finally off, her face a mixture of surprise and concern. Now, I wish I could tell you that my life had gotten better after the sour milk incident, that my parents backed off with the pranks, or that I somehow turned into the most popular kid in high school. But nope. Instead, my life had turned into a living hell of never-ending embarrassment, courtesy of Smith's Pranks Palace. From dad pretending to faint in the middle of my freshman orientation, their video titled, Hilarious Prank at High School Orientation, Must Watch, 5 Million Views, to mom barging into my chemistry class dressed as an alien, the video titled, Crashing High School Class in Alien Suit, Epic Reaction, earned a trending spot. My high school years were a montage of mortification. But the worst part wasn't the embarrassment or the name calling. It was the pity, the sympathetic glances from teachers, the awkward conversations with the school counselor. How are you handling your home situation, John? They'd ask. And so I became a bit of a loner, the prank palace boy who ate lunch in the library and avoided eye contact. And then there were the comments on YouTube, poor kid, they'd say, or how does he put up with them? And my personal favorite, I'd die if I were him. Every ding of a new comment, every laughter-filled reaction video felt like a punch in the gut. But what could I do? They were my parents. They fed me, clothed me, loved me in their own twisted way. Now, you're probably wondering, 
How did I escape the constant eyes of the world? The answer is, I didn't. But I did get a change of scenery. In my yearbook, a sentence that still makes me laugh. Most likely to become a viral meme, written beneath my photo. The doors to college life swung open and I stepped through them, hoping to find an escape from my prank-infested past. I met Clara on the first day, an intro to Psych. She was the most beautiful girl I'd ever seen, with long blonde hair and a laugh that could light up a room. Oh, you're the prank palace guy, she'd exclaim when we first met. Your parents are hilarious. It was my past, not me, that drew her in, but I was too smitten to care. I mean, look at that smile. As we started dating, there were red flags, like when she insisted on video calling my parents, or when she constantly brought up their YouTube earnings. But love, as you see, makes you see things through rose-colored glasses, doesn't it? It was one of those nights. Clara and I were in bed, the moonlight streaming through the window. She was mumbling in her sleep, something she did occasionally. Must get the money, she mumbled. It was followed by a soft snore. It sent a chill down my spine, but I brushed it off as just sleep talk. Over time, Clara started hanging out with Brad the buff dude from our psychology class. She'd laugh at his jokes a little too hard, touch his arm a little too often, but every time I brought it up, she'd brush it off. You're just being insecure, she'd say, her eyes not meeting mine. One night she came home late, reeking of Brad's cologne. That night, her sleep talk was a lot more telling. Brad, no, John can't know. The money, I'll take the money, she muttered in her sleep. Suddenly, everything fell into place. The late nights with Brad, her interest in my parents' earnings, it was all a part of her plan. She wasn't with me because she loved me. She was with me for the YouTube money, the fame, the lifestyle. And now she was planning on ditching me for Brad once they got what they wanted. But they'd messed with the wrong guy. I was a smith after all. The son of the world's greatest pranksters. If Clara wanted a prank, she'd get one. The prank of the century. The sweet nothing she murmured in her sleep now had a sinister edge to them. After another night of her rambling about easy cash and dumb pranksters, I finally decided to confront her. Clara, we need to talk. My voice sounded hollow in the silent room. She looked up from her phone, a perfect eyebrow raised in question. Is this about my sleep talking? <laughs> she laughed, a hollow, lifeless sound. John, I can't control what I say in my sleep. It's not just that, Clara. It's about you, Brad, and this plan of yours. Her face drained of color. You're absolutely delusional, Jake, she yells at me. I pulled out a series of printed emails that I'd found on her laptop, my heart pounding as I slapped them down on the table. The subject lines read, future plans, revenue split, and leaked prank videos. These are your email exchanges with Brad, I stated, trying to keep the tremor out of my voice. You two have been planning to hack into my parents' account to take their unreleased prank videos, start a rival channel, using my parents' content and popularity to draw in viewers, and then you want to divert the ad revenue into accounts you two have set up. She sputtered, shocked into silence. I felt a grim satisfaction at catching her off guard. Did you really think you could pull this off? I asked, my voice hardening. You're crazy, John. You can't prove anything. Those emails could be faked, you know? She protested, but I didn't want to hear any of it. I spent the next few days assembling my evidence, the emails and screenshots of their secret bank accounts, and compiled them into a video. Yo, Mike. I dialed my hacker friend, my voice trembling with a mix of rage and determination. I need a favor. Funny how Clara inspired my hacking idea. Mike, a guy who could hack into any network while munching on his cheeseburgers, was my only hope. I need you to hack into my parents' YouTube channel. Mike nearly choked on his burger. Are you nuts? Dude, that's illegal. I don't care. This is important. Can you do it or not? 
There was a big silence on the other end before he finally sighed. All right, man, I'm in. But remember, you owe me big time. With Mike's help, I uploaded the video to my parents' YouTube channel. It blew up. Gold Digger Exposed went viral. Millions of views until it got taken down by my parents. I took a deep breath, bracing myself as I hit the record button for the second time. This time, it wasn't to expose Clara or her nasty plans, but to expose my parents in the lifetime of humiliation they had subjected me to. Hello, Internet, I began, forcing a smile. John here. You might know me as the butt of the joke in many of my parents' prank videos. I paused, swallowing hard as I prepared to delve deeper. What you don't know is the toll those harmless pranks have taken on me. My entire life, I've been subjected to a constant stream of humiliation and embarrassment. I've been laughed at, bullied, and mocked for my parents' content. I've been hit with paint, doused in spoiled milk, left speechless by blaring air horns, and so much more. Every single day. The world thinks it's funny, and maybe it is, from the outside looking in. But from my perspective, it's a never-ending nightmare. A nightmare that I was born into. And before you start with the, they're just pranks, bro, argument, let me tell you that when you're the victim of just a prank every day of your life, it stops being just a prank. It's psychological torture. I uploaded the video with a lump in my throat. It didn't take long before the internet exploded. My confession resonated with a lot of people. They saw the emotion, the trauma that I'd gone through, and the support messages started pouring in. As for my parents, their response was less supportive. They were livid. They uploaded a response video on their secondary channel, claiming that I was blowing things out of proportion, that they were just having fun, and that I was trying to smear their reputation for sympathy. What they didn't expect was Clara suing me for invasion of privacy. Order! Order in the court! The judge's gavel boomed through the packed room as Clara's lawyer pointed at me, his voice ringing out with accusations. John intentionally sought to tarnish my client's reputation with false claims. I'd been prepping for this. My lawyer had drilled it into me. Stay calm, present your truth, and don't let them rattle you. But nothing could have prepared me for the way my heart pounded against my chest as I stood to defend myself. Your Honor, if I may. I locked eyes with Clara, her smug smirk a sharp reminder of why I was here. I simply made public the truth. The truth of Clara's intentions and the truth of my life as my parents' unwilling clown. Laughter rippled through the courtroom at my quip, but was quickly hushed. Clara's lawyer jumped to his feet, but the judge waved him down. The evidence is clear, Your Honor, I continued, scanning the faces in the room. I turned to look at my parents, sitting stifly, their faces pale. I'm not a gold mine for you to exploit, nor a plaything for your amusement. I addressed them, ignoring the collective gasp that echoed in the room. And Clara, your plans to profit from my life at my expense are over, I announced, meeting her eyes. She shifted uncomfortably, and for the first time, I saw a crack in her confident facade. But even with the truth out, the court ruled in Clara's favor, because in the eyes of the law, she did not take her plan to the end. I exposed her before it got too far. As I pushed open the courthouse doors, I was bombarded with camera flashes and a crescendo of voices. Microphones were shoved towards me, each reporter wanting their exclusive bit. Any comments about the verdict? A reporter hollered, elbowing his way to the front. I chuckled, running a hand through my hair. You know what? I'm good. Justice may be blind, but the parents aren't. So yeah, I lost in court. But look around. I gestured to the crowd, their eyes fixated on me with a mix of awe and respect. I won in the eyes of the people. Applause rang through the crowd, whistles punctuating the air. John! 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 They chanted, my name rising and falling like a wave. 
The next question cut through. How do you feel about your parents' reaction? Ah, the counter video. That was something. Honestly, I think it just proves my point. They're so wrapped up in their fame. They don't see the harm they've done. John, what will you do now? Another question rang out. What will I do now? A slow grin spreading on my face. I'll live without pranks, without humiliation, and certainly without gold diggers. I'll live for myself. As I stepped into the waiting car, the chance of my name followed me, a triumphant anthem that filled the air. For the first time, I felt heard, seen, validated. I may have lost in the courtroom, but in the court of public opinion, I was a hero. I was finally free, and damn, did it feel good.